0: Welcome to the Bryce Cast. This is episode three. I am Bryce, your host, uh, and I have a wonderful guest with me today, Marky B, the head coach of Toronto Ultra, and we'll be going through so many questions about the team and the franchise that hopefully you can give us insight into. Um, before we do that, a little bit of housekeeping, because I, I feel like it. they had some comments during the week that didn't like my thumbnails, it was a basic thumbnail, um, and you know, somebody said they weren't going to watch if I had a bad thumbnail. That's fine. I don't care, if you're not going to watch because of a thumbnail, this podcast probably isn't for you anyway. So with that side, let's get straight into it. Marky, I'm going to ask you some things today, and obviously if anything you can't answer or anything along those lines, feel free to tell me to move on or whatever, Um, but I'm very much interested in Toronto Ultra franchise and everything that's been going on. Um, So first of all, congratulations on the win. You know, that must have been a big relief to you as a head coach.
1: Yeah, massively. I think, like, more so it was just obviously we were focused on just qualifying. But knowing that we had to, like, obviously, kind of coming in, we didn't really expect the the things to work out where we just had to get to the final and we'd we'd qualify for a top eight. But obviously, that's the way it ended up working out. But um, we all sort of came in with the mindset of just coming in, we need to win this thing. So um, it it was obviously a great feeling to be able to do that. So yeah, feeling good.
0: I've often wondered, Mark, and this is more of a uh, a you question in terms of the pressure that you're under as a head coach. Now, from my, I I guess, uh, knowledge and what I've heard among the scene, obviously, there's been a lot of talk this year about the way Toronto Ultra have done things in regards to you have a 10-man roster, in regards to your coaching staff, in the way you approach stuff. Um, Is this... Is that when, like, the culmination of a system you've been working to all year? Or is it something you thought should have thought, should have come earlier? You know, what is your thoughts on, uh, on basically, you know, your year's run?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, I think initially we knew that there would be a potential that with sort of the way things were working out, like, we didn't really have much time to figure out the roster before the start of the season because of just visa problems and stuff. We had two separate like groups scrimming. We had the European group and the North American group, so it was very separate. And then we got a little bit of practice before the new year, and then obviously everyone went home for Christmas and whatnot. And by the time everyone was able to actually get all together in Toronto, um, we had a couple of weeks until Minnesota. So um, I think we were just sort of a bit underprepared for the start of the season, and I think that it took bit, a bit of time to sort of figure out exactly what we needed on this game with the team and whatnot. Um, and obviously, naturally as well, like, with changing rosters, a lot of the time there's going to yeah. be other issues that crop up. Like, we were – some of those times we were making roster changes and our scrim results, we were one of the better teams in the game and then we would still come into the tournament and not do that well. Uh, but I think over the year we've sort of learned and, um, like, I would say the system and as, as a whole that sort of is working out for us currently, I think – I really wouldn't say it's been something that – um we've sort of been doing all year. But it's sort of been more of a thing that me and Ryan, obviously, you know, Flux, our analyst yeah. sort of since he came back involved with the team um that we've been working very heavily on. Um it was something that was kind of hard hard to implement with just myself. But uh, overall I think that we've got to a point now where we're very comfortable, obviously. Um I think that right now we're pretty confident going to the champs, to be honest. So.
0: Well, I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get into that. There so is, there is some serious that. questions I have to ask about that. Um, <laughs> some things you said there really intrigued me, right? Because I feel like, and I tweeted this out the other day, I said I feel like there aren't enough hard stream journalists that pick up on what I think are great news stories. One of them is Flux as your analyst. And some people watching may not remember this guy, but this guy is a legend in European Call of Duty. He is a great Call of Duty man. He jumped on as the Toronto Ultra Analyst And I don't even. I think that flew under the radar when he first came on. Um, And then you you picked up. You said something there about him coming back. I believe there was a a point where his future with the Ultra wasn't cemented. Am I am I correct in that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Well. Yeah. With the COVID situation, he hadn't actually moved out here, and there was basically a bunch of like uh, cuts and stuff like that. So essentially, he was sort of you know uh, no longer with us for a couple months, and then somehow, some way. We got him back. <laughs> I I I begged to have him back pretty much. So we got him back. And now uh he's obviously like you said, I think he has flown under the radar to be honest, because he's not really been sort of uh publicly he's not he doesn't tweet that much or anything like that, you know what I mean? He's quite like a he keeps himself to himself, yeah kind of guy, but he's very you know him as well. He's a very smart call of duty uh, brain. So I think that having that as well as sort of his um sort of what he's been doing in his actual sort of day-to-day life uh, before he sort of got involved with us
0: isn't that isn't that the part market. of it mark sorry to interrupt you isn't that part of why he came on isn't something that he did in uni or something i heard directly benefits his new position with the ultra
1: well like he's a sort of done a lot of data stuff before so um it was just natural that obviously combine the two he's worked with data stuff before um and now he's Got the Call of Duty knowledge too, so combine the two; it's a great combination, um, and I think he's really helped out a lot, to be honest with you. Um For me, anyway, I think that he's been he's been massive. Just having someone else to, to bounce ideas off of. If I come in with something that sounds dumb, he'll tell me. If he comes in with something dumb, that you know, I mean, it's, it's just massive to have that extra brain there. So yeah. I think he's been a integral part as well.
0: No, I'm I'm glad to hear it. Like I said, I, I always thought that flew under the radar for me because. And I don't know whether it's not because he doesn't have as big of a profile anymore or people just sort of overlooked it. And because maybe, you know, there was the COVID situation and people weren't sure what he would be doing with the team. Um, But for me, when I first saw him in the picture, I obviously recognized him straight away when you put out the teaser. There was a teaser picture put out of you guys around the table and he was sitting there and I'm like, I know who that guy is. Um, (laughs) And I I think, you know, because there's a lot of analysts on team, right? And some of them are more vocal on Twitter than others. You know, some of them... May have an inflated sense of person uh, that I've seen going around the Twitter sphere, and I thought, you know, for him to fly under the radar as he did, as an ex-pro player, as a team who has technically won an international, you know, um, and if I remember correctly, he, uh, um, I might be wrong here, and I don't want to be wrong. Was he on the what team was he on? that people would recognise. I was trying to figure out what it would be. TCM
1: like. uh, yeah. and Epsilon was right before he kind of like um, sort of retired Epsilon when they got 1v3'd by Nameless at goes Champs.
0: Yes, he's in that <laughs> clip. But that's, I mean, that's not the way I would recommend people remember him. <laughs> that's what I was looking for. I was looking for something to, to kind of get... But yeah, sure, that's probably one of the biggest famous clips is he is one of those players in the 1v3 uh, against Nameless. Um, but no, I thought that was great. And, and it kind of leads on to my next point here, Marky, because... In the previous podcast life, I had been, I would say, critical or at least uh, very intrigued as to Toronto Ultra and their way of doing things, right? I lauded on the fact that you guys had gone for a bold strategy at the start of the year with a 10-man roster, full full roster uh, of, you know, and you had some superstars in that team, but maybe you'd maybe decided to use the luxury tax in a, in a more diverse way to get yourself a bit of options, um, and I said the, my biggest concern is that judge juggling 10 players and making the right decisions all year is a lot of work for a coach. Um, that, and that was you, Mark. And I said, you couldn't do it, but I said, that is an awful lot of work because you have to watch the main team, the sub team. You have to figure out who goes in. Uh, I don't know who's backing you up on this point. Uh, I even heard rumors during the year, Marky, that you actually had a coach come in, uh, cause you were strategic coach at the start of the year. You had a head coach come in and that head coach then disappeared soon after again. Um, so, so, give me any insight, you know on on the trials and tribulations of being in such a position with so much responsibility on your shoulders? honestly, to
1: me, it doesn't feel like trials and tribulations, to be honest, and it honestly doesn't feel too difficult um to be quite honest with you. i I don't really think I've done anything crazy. Uh, so I mean, I, to be honest, it's it's like it's been obviously. A grindy year, don't get me wrong. There's been a lot of hours put in. Like like I said, at the start of the season, I think the four sets a day watching the European and then the North American group back-to-back, that was pretty... Uh, well, it wasn't fun. Um, <laughs> sure. um, and yeah, definitely could have done with some extra hands earlier, but it was just one of those things that we were sort of just in the process of getting that extra person. It just took a bit longer than, than expected due to multiple reasons. But um, I think, honestly, I don't think it's been it's been difficult it has been i'm 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 probably i'm probably de-gassing how uh, the difficult periods i've went through now because we've just had some success recently but yeah uh yeah i mean there's obviously been a lot of tough decisions i think that's the the biggest thing i think the with the 10 man uh, roster and having sort of to make decisions like that uh, on yourself at times i think is it was difficult especially with you know um you've got reasoning for all 10 players i can honestly sit there and give reasoning for all 10 players to play in different positions because i think they're all great and i think they all bring different aspects and great things to the team i just think it's one of those things that we're just wanting to put the team together with certain uh, certain elements and and certain uh sort of characteristics as players and i think some players just miss out on that but it's one of those things i think all the players that we've brought in and all of them have been sort of Class with me, to be honest with you. I think, in general, like my two years in coaching. I think last year was definitely my most difficult. Um, Obviously, I've still got champs to go, but so I'm (laughs) judging this season before champs. But I think last season was definitely the most difficult for me uh, out of the three so far. So I'm I'm sort of enjoying this year, to be honest.
0: Okay, I mean, you say you know you're you're maybe not guessing out how difficult it'd be, and I, I, I've always said you know I don't want to be too negative about things, and this is one of the things I can genuinely be positive about, Marky, because. Uh, in my opinion, what you've had to deal with this year, and you know, your own experiences with this, you've had 10 players, you've had a roster and a system that means that any of those 10 players could make it in. Unless, unlike some other franchises, Mark, you don't forget that have essentially got a main roster and completely ignored their responsibilities towards their subs or towards changing their team. In fact, when they change the team, they basically go outside. You have a different system where it's all on you, and you like you have ten players, any of which could play, and you've proven this during the year. You know you've had switch arounds, you've had the you know trying to find the right consideration of it. They're all viable, and they're all going to be chomping at the bit to get onto that main roster. And all ten of those players are coming at you like that. That is something that I don't think some head coaches in the franchises or in the C D L have had to deal with in the slightest. So while you could be humble and such, I will give you full credit there too. Having to adapt to a system, and this is one of the reasons I said you know earlier in the year I said that is a hell of a system to put on one person. I don't know whether it will work out because it's just the amount of input that is going to be you know rammed at you continuously um, so i'm I'm just curious about how you dealt with the personnel aspect of it because when you've got ten players all viable to play, skill levels near enough that it's it's more difficult for you to pick and get that chemistry right. And the fact that it is yeah. going to be a chemistry decision, how have you dealt with that during the year? Because that, to me, is mind-boggling.
1: Um, honestly, I've just been trying my best to just be as clear with the players as possible. You know um, what I want from them to improve, or what I think's missing that will get them the opportunity to play. I think if you, I think even uh, people like Toby will tell you this, or or players that are sort of in the starting roster now and and weren't at some certain parts in the season, just sort of been trying to just tell the players what what to improve on and what they're doing well, what to continue doing um, and like just try to keep them positive uh, because that I think that's the kind of harder thing for a lot of players because we've got 10 players who have never been in that situation before yeah. being, being a substitute. Like all these players were in pro league teams last year. You know what I mean? So it's, it's like they've never experienced that. So um, I think that was probably the hardest thing, obviously. Ideally, I would have loved if it was like a system where we could have had um the the sort of starting players and then the players who don't start are allowed to play in challengers but obviously i understand there's a bunch of rules around that that would have been ideal and then you've got like a good rotation like if somebody's not uh, if somebody's you know not performing they get dropped to the challenger squad sort of thing like that and they're still competing so it's still motivating because it it is hard i can imagine from myself and my experiences as as a competitor it must be hard um sort of practicing for the for the guys who are not on the starting roster, because they know that realistically, um, it's pretty unlikely that that set five that they're playing with at that point is going to be the team that they're going to play with at a tournament. Albeit they they obviously have the motivation to play to get on that roster, but the motivation is to more so improve themselves rather than improve the team. So it's like a kind of hard aspect to to manage without actually having a system where they've got um, somewhere to also compete in because. If they're not competing realistically, it's all just about individual improvement, I feel I feel like. Yeah. If you're if if you're thinking as a competitor, that's the way they would probably be thinking, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I fully agree. And again, I think that's what made this this system so difficult for me because I'm sitting there thinking, you know, how do I accurately judge these players to fit into the the team? We know that they're not going to get plaudits. I think one of the benefits maybe of the system is that it is a full team of five, so that team of five will get scrims as the Toronto B team, yeah. and we've seen pro teams scrim them because it technically gives you another scrim slot in the roster, and people are happy to play them, knowing that the the main and the B team are essentially not that far, and you're using a lot of the same system and same players. Um, yeah. It just for me, you know, the, you are right that, that that part about the competitor and. Uh, I don't want you to name any name here, Markies, but I'm curious if you had any really difficult discussions this year around people's attitudes or, by the way, you're going into a sub-spot and this is the reason why and maybe you can have this with you because that's, that's, a, that's a very big change and you've something you've probably had to do more frequently this year than the last two years of coaching combined. Um, has, there, yeah. has there been any, uh, how do I put this, divas, I think, maybe the best word, little tantrums going on, you know, hard conversations?
1: Yeah, there's definitely been a bunch of car conversations <laughs> and some obviously sort of uh, upset players and you know arguments back and forth. But at the end of the day, I can understand. I'd probably do the same thing if I was in their situation. And I know it's the same in sports and stuff too. But you know, at the end of the day, um, whatever happens, I'm I'm a neutral. You know, I'm here just to pick the best best five players that that uh, that I think are going to make the team succeed. So that's just my job, you know. So
0: no, I I get that. I suppose. It's also been one of these things where the players have to be a little bit more mature and, and you have to... We, well, I said at the start of the year, everybody has to step up, right? And I suppose yeah. as as a coach this year, it's, it's a different kettle of fish, right? It's less players running the team and more you having to lay down the law. Do you feel like you've changed at all just in this year?
1: Definitely. Like, um, I felt last year that it was probably my issue that I was, like, sort of... Um, I obviously, as a Call of Duty pro, used to be that sort of leadership figure in game, but it's different. Uh, you have to like sort of learn how to lead differently out of game for sure. Um, and I think that's probably been my biggest um, learning experience over this year. I feel like I've sort of learned when I need to just you know tell a player straight, you know, and when I need to uh, handle. You, you need to learn how to handle players. Definitely, I think that's one thing uh, that I've learned. Uh, over the year just like that I thought maybe you just handle everyone the same sort of treat everyone equally that seems like the fairest way but I don't think that that's necessarily how it works best in sports I think you need to handle each and every player's personalities differently um, and you know try and sort of get the best out of them I think that's the the most important thing
0: no I I agree I, I completely agree is it is it something those aspects something you're looking to improve in the following year like no yeah, way. no,
1: definitely. I th- I'm always constantly trying to just improve in different aspects of coaching uh, reading different books. Um, you know, and definitely I've, I've, I'm sort of looking into when I go home in the off season, sort of doing some more self-improvement stuff. Uh, but yeah, I'm sort of looking into that currently, but pretty much focused on champs. So I haven't got too deep into that yet, but yeah, definitely I'm really interested in sort of just anything that I can prove myself as, as a coach. Um, I definitely think that, Honestly, I feel like when I came in as a coach with Splice at World War Two, I honestly felt like it was going to be an easy thing to do, uh-huh. um, because, like I said before, it was that I was that sort of leader figure in my in my Call of Duty teams. That I just thought, oh, if you're a leader in game, it's just going to be the same thing. Like, and and it's it's completely different. And I think that's one thing that that's been sort of a bit slower for me to sort of get to grips with. And I think that's something that I really have got to grips with as of late.
0: No, I I, I agree. I think. And I am going to put you on the spot here just a little bit, Marky. Um, in terms of systems and franchises and such, is it something, and, and we'll put COVID aside for now, right? Because that's it's thrown a spanner in every single working going forward. Um, following on, it, whether it be with Toronto Ultra or anybody else, would you like a, a, a bigger staff to maybe deal with like the mental aspects and you know help you with these decisions? Like I said, I, I've always considered it a, a lot to do here. You've obviously got Flux now, which is something that people probably haven't noticed, they would just see you as the coach and that's it. Um, is it something you've considered of having like a, a bigger staff or conversation with a franchise on, Hey, look, we can improve in this area, but obviously I only have so many hours in the day.
1: Yeah, we, we actually do have, well, I mean, I guess the like Toronto ultra staff yeah. is just sort of myself, Ryan, Dom, et cetera, but there is the wider overactive media staff who, um, like a bunch of the guys we have that work with the Mad Lions team in the LEC also work directly with the players over here. And there is a lot of help on those different mental aspects of the game. And that is definitely something that we're uh, very, very sort of focused on uh, as a franchise, both the mental and physical um, things that you can do to improve your performance in game. So I think that that's like that has been a focus of of ours. So, yeah, I think that that's one thing. I mean, we really don't talk about that stuff too much, to be honest, because like, I mean, it's great, but it's not really. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be tweeting out like every day, like just done my stretches, guys. No, no.
0: I get that, but that's one of the things. Like I've said before, you know, I don't see more behind the scenes stuff of this because I've always found it, you know, in my mind, very important to essentially get the. And I don't want to use this word, but it is the the most succinct way of putting it. The players, in essence, are assets that you're paying for per year, right? You are paying for this player to perform you know, at the best of their ability. And if you're going to do that, then why not invest in making sure you get the most out of them then make sure that they are consistently at that level. I think some teams fail to do that. I think, I think they just go, oh yeah, we'll just post play out and just let them piss around all year. And I've heard of stories of that come down the grapevine. Uh, but no, it, for me, that's an incredibly interesting thing. So I'm glad to hear it's happening at Toronto Ultra, if I'm honest.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think one of the responsibilities of myself and the staff is regardless of what happens to any player, um, I think one of the responsibilities is that if they come and go from here, they need to be when they leave. They should be better than when they came. I think that should be the mentality that we have for uh, whoever whoever comes in here. To be honest, uh, I think that that's something important. To, like I think we just need to continue improvement in those that, who stay here. You know, that's the same thing too. I think that that's what I strive uh, to sort of achieve here. So yeah,
0: uh, I fully agree. Let's let's talk about your win then. Um... I mean, first of all, I've already congratulated you, but to do it at your home series, certainly something special. And I know that the whole Toronto Ultra team are probably buzzing off of it. Um, Was it like, uh, was it one of those things that you just like, holy crap, we got a win this year. It was the very last event to get a win in and you finally got it. Um, What was it like backstage? I'm sure there were staff chats and, you know, debriefings and everything going on. What was the atmosphere like in the Toronto Ultra camp? and, And, you know, maybe what was said?
1: Honestly, uh, we were so focused. I think that that was, the, that was the best thing for us. I think it was a weird chain of events because going into the last two weekends with Paris playing, we didn't play the second last event. Yeah. We honestly thought Paris were going to come out of groups and we were just going to have to get to the semifinals, which we felt really confident in doing with the group we had. Uh-huh. Um, we just had to get to finals and we qualified. Then Paris made that miracle run. And then it's looking slow for us. But honestly, I felt like that was one of the best things for us as a team because it got us in that mentality like we have to win this last event. And I think that sort of turned up a notch in terms of the intensity. And there was arguments. There was the most arguments I've ever heard in my life as a team <laughs> in the space of a week. But it, it was, we were drilling stuff in. And it really did come to fruition in the end. And I think that we were just so focused. And I think overall our, uh, just the way we sort of executed that event um, was was perfect. I think that even though we had a lot of close games and a lot of a lot of slip ups throughout the maps, the the guys like on the respawns and S and Ds stuck to the game plan throughout the bad rounds uh, and and the sort of bad hard points or whatever. They just stuck to the plan and uh, and that's the the best part about it that I enjoyed the most. Um, just because that's been an issue of ours, you know, just going behind in S and Ds and just abandoning the entire game plan. And I, I think that that's one thing that really you should have heard me and Ryan. We were so excited when we were just seeing, <laughs> just stuck, in, stuck into their guns and and doing it, and and we knew we could come and win the thing because we literally scrim every team every day, and we are one of the better teams in scrims. And we know if we if we can be better at teams in S and D, that we're gonna take respawns in every single series that we play. So we just gotta be better at teams in S and D, and then we're gonna win events. That's simple as that.
0: That's good to hear. You said something interesting there about arguments and I, I forgot to cover that when we were talking about coaching styles. How have you dealt with in team arguments? Not arguments against you, you know, like, you know, dealing with player conflicts? Because we know it's a big part of college Like, right? Like we've heard it all year and I'm sure Mark, you've had even more rumors than I have of players falling out this year. Um yeah. what did you do in Toronto Ultra to kind of get on top of that and, you know, maybe make these guys be more adult and professional in the regards of and the way they conduct themselves towards colleagues and teammates
1: i definitely think there's like there's got to be a good balance i don't think you want players scared to like sort of voice their opinions um but you gotta be able to you know sort of i think that's one thing that the players have done a very good job of improving as the season has gone on that's one thing that i've stressed a lot is just the way you talk to your teammates you can just sort of say the exact same you can just literally say the exact same thing in a more efficient way that's going to go to go through to them much better and sort of deliver the message you wanted to deliver, but not piss them off. And I think there's going to be times where players make the same mistake over and over and over again. And sometimes you just need to absolutely roast them. So I think it's <laughs> like, honestly, it's just about that balance. Um, for me, I feel like there's, there's definitely, there's times for, um, there's times for bad arguments. I feel like it's it's sometimes beneficial, but um, obviously Ideally, I sort of avoid that as much as possible. I think i that's my ideal, but like I said, it's one of those things. Sometimes it's completely necessary.
0: No, no, I, I get that completely, Mark. I think I, I sometimes forget myself that these are young men and there is an awful lot of passion there. There is an awful lot of fire for these players. If, if there wasn't, they probably wouldn't be competing like this. You have to be an ultra competitor to get it through. Um, But again, you know, I I hate to go back to to kind of flip-flop around on this, but we need to talk more about your win because there's, for me at least, there is something that I've seen over the last couple of weeks that I'm not entirely happy with, and it's not Toronto Ultra's fault. It is the way the community has reacted to your win, I think, is in some ways disingenuous to the accomplishment that it is. Because technically, being the very last tournament before champs, should mean people will be talking about you being the favourites to win champs, and I I don't think I've seen enough of that, right? Theoretically, if, if you know, COVID aside, and we we'd done all the normal stuff, if that was another team that had made the run that you had, that had beaten the teams that you had, and that had been in a slightly different position all year, um, you know, any one of the other big teams had beaten all these teams, they would be talking about them as the favourites for champs. Now, I understand there are prior events before and that we have had a lot of teams do very well this year, and it does seem to be a very competitive field. But I do feel like there is a line that people refuse to cross in talking about Toronto Ultra winning champs because if this was a normal year, if COVID hadn't hit and you guys had won the last big tournament before champs, Number one straight away in my book. Number one with a bullet, 100%. Um, because, you know, we talk about Cod being on the day game and we talk about teams going up and down in terms of capability and consistency. Grant Ultra winning the last event should put them in that conversation regardless, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, I really do not care. Uh, <laughs> but, to be honest, um, but I do. But then again, I can sort of... I could say I can see why um, that we're not getting that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at our team uh, on paper in comparison to like, I think it's one of those things when you look at. I think at one point, I think we had a great week, um, uh, midway into the season, where uh, we got we got to the semifinals. It was the season, the week again, the weekend we lost against Optic, right? We beat. uh did we beat that weekend? We beat. It's actually a bar, but anyway. We had a good weekend, and I think I think New York had the same. They also got to the semi-finals and immediately it was just all about New York. And I think it's just one of those things that, like, if you look at our players on paper, it's not like the biggest names. Sort of, regardless of what, if, if we obviously go and we went and won yeah. that event, I think that in general our sort of perception is is always going to be that we're like not not the best team on paper. So I think that's just sort of expected and not something that i like necessarily i'm too bothered with like i said i think it doesn't really matter if, if anything it's better if anything it makes the story way better that we're underdogs because it means that we come in we and we do the job that we know we can do then we get even more credit so let's let's just do that that sounds like a great plan
0: <laughs> i'm so i mean does that does it really not even get you started because there have been times of the year where toronto has been a punching bag like, people have, have talked down on the team, and then you come yeah. up on this, and you don't get the same, like, level of, oh, well, you know, this team is ridiculous, they finally found their form, and, and in fairness, I could even extend that to some of the Toronto Ultra players, you know, I put a tweet out about how well some of them, I think, are playing, uh, and they've been spat on during parts of the year, their stocks have been at all-time lows in the, in, you know, coming into the season and all of this, and yet, you know, we, we come off the back of a win, and... I feel like it's not it's not gassed up enough. It's it's you know I don't think you have to you know pretend that they are the second coming, but I do think you have to respect <laughs> these players in in being elite players because they have done this. You know I yeah. I I put Bantz as an example, and people you know I think people were very easy to forget what a deep dark hole I thought Bantz was in at the start of this year, and Bantz was selling himself. You know his stock went from fantastic to to terrible very very quickly people were wondering whether he got into a main team and then the last few events i've seen him play incredibly consistent back to i dare say the bands you know of all the people love um but i don't see people talking about it i don't see them you know giving him the credit to have that you know that roller coaster and he's come back up to being a consistent good player that we should be keeping an eye on
1: yeah i think ben in general this year is his attitude's been better than what I experienced when I teamed with him uh, at the start of, or sorry, the end of World War II when I joined Splice as a coach. Um, and I think in general, I think he's just way more comfortable as well. I think if you look at the sort of teams that um, Ben's been under, he's sort of always been the sort of least experienced player in the team. Um, yeah. And now he's like sort of comes in as this like most experienced guy in the roster. So it's a, it's definitely a turnaround uh, for him. And I think it's something that he's sort of enjoying. And, and uh, thriving under. To be honest, I think uh, obviously him been more vocal in game and whatnot, and now also I think that he's able to sort of control what's going on, and and that's really allowing him to sort of play play to his strengths and play at his best.
0: No, I, I can see that. I think it's I think it's a lot of the tournament, actually. You know, you could talk about uh, uh, you know sometimes you get uh, people kind of hyped. Like Cammy was hyped up I saw in this last event because of just how well he was playing, and <laughs> that's that's fair, right? That's that's you just sit there and see that ridiculous thing from. From him, what do you ever, how do you deal with that as a coach when you see a player playing that well to, because I think there may be a, at least a modicum of, oh, this player may believe in themselves too much. If they're making these big plays and they're having a fantastic tournament, at some point you have to temper that with, don't ego chow, don't, you know, put too much pressure on yourself to make the winning play. You know, I know you're dropping 15, 17 in S&Ds, but stick to our system. Um is there is there a way that, you know, you had a work was like, good job, just remember the basics, or is there any way you, you think of that in that terms?
1: Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely like to keep the players grounded, and just, I think the only thing they should be thinking about is focusing on the game plan, and just focusing on what needs to be done in the game. Don't think about your own individual performances, uh-huh. don't think about any of that, because it will all come as the result of playing the game correctly, you'll get high kills, that'll all happen naturally if you do all those things correctly, so I think play players that are oh, I had a bad map there. I'm gonna step up next game. Like just don't even think about it. Like literally just think about what you need to do in the game to succeed for your team to succeed and then the kills will come from that. It's just as simple as that, really. Um the the whole oh, we've just been outslayed. The outslaying happens most of the time because you don't have control of the hill because you don't have you've not rotated <laughs> early or something like that. That's when that happens. Um so I think that's one of the things that we've been sort of drilling in and especially right after the event uh I literally did not want the obviously sort of post event you know we've just won let's all well, we're so if we start losing a scrim oh, well, we're so good anyway don't worry about it yeah. so we definitely we definitely came straight back in on the Tuesday after we played or the Wednesday when we first started scrimming but after we won and we sort of just came in with the mentality again like hey we need to come in the same mentality as last event. we need to win this and that we're we're not the finished product. Like, there was a lot of definitely mistakes that we made throughout the tournament, although we obviously won. We we didn't play flawless by any means. I think our respawn was actually probably worse last event than it has been for a few events. So it's one of those things that definitely still room for improvement. We uh, we we won a lot of those clutch S&D game fives and whatnot. We won three. Um, so there's definitely some room for improvement on, on S&D and respawn. I think that's just been one of the sort of mentalities we've been drilling in, that we're definitely not the finished product. And if we do get nearer to that point, then we've proven that we can win so we just have to do the same again and and that's the sort of uh mentality we've been coming in with
0: no, no i get that how have you been dealing with the uh with the crunch how have you been dealing with the the pre champs grind as i like to call it um, because yeah. I know, obviously, it's been more structured this year in terms of scrims. I know that there are slots booked. I know what time they roughly start. I mean, we are doing this podcast at this time, so you can go and, and
1: deal with that. In yeah, I've got scrims great. in 20 minutes. Yep. We'll put Atlanta in 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, yeah, like, sort of the way our scrims scheduled has sort of just been ramping up towards champs. So, for example, last week um, sort of introducing in more S&D sets, and then this week introducing an extra one. So, like, It's just sort of ramping up the S&D practice as well as you know sticking to that sort of standard respawn. Uh, Try not to burn the players out too much. So um, instead of doing sort of triple sets every day, it's like one day, two sets, one day, three sets, one day, two sets, one day, day, three sets. Sort of alternates. Um, Does does that feel
0: feel weird to you, Marky? Because you've been on this pre-champs grind and I remember them being pretty brutal. Like it's a struggle to make players not play. Because back then, you know, people would be on for like, oh, if we don't play eighteen hours a day before champs, we're trash, and we should, you know, and and there was this, this shaming, like if we if we if we don't basically kill ourselves in the three weeks before champs, you know, we're never going to win, and then I'm going to blame you. Um, has it been difficult overcoming that? Because you used to be part of that, right? You, you used to be, yeah,
1: definitely. I used to be bad for that, and I think that's one thing that I've learned from the experiences of uh, Ryan and uh, like players like Ben as well, and uh, to the sort of like I guess younger players. Uh, who may not sort of experience that as much. I think that we all have a good group of players who sort of do understand the importance of sort of getting quality over quantity of practice. And I think that that's one thing that we're sort of more focused on is making sure that every practice we do play is efficient practice because we have experienced throughout the season a bunch of inefficient practices where we've really not learned much. So we're at the champ's point now where we're just sort of in the mode where we just do not allow us to have inefficient practices where we're not constantly focused on improving something in the game every single map we play um so i think that that's just sort of been the mentality and sort of quality over quantity uh, although to be fair we like i said we do have a decent amount of uh, practice with a couple of third set s and d's but that's those are only an extra five maps you can squeeze an extra five maps in, you know what i mean
0: <laughs> it's champs right it's 4.5 million don't take it too lightly um, yeah now I, I get that I think it's it's one of these things I, I, I for a start, I think it's much 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 healthier. the whole year has been much healthier. We know we've been taking steps over the last few years and this is is becoming part of the culmination of people finally realizing maybe it's not healthy to get up at five pm and play till 6 am in the morning um, which which yeah, I, which I think is great um, in terms of champs you know is it is it you know this is the very first year of the CDL? And it comes with a lot of responsibility and the first champion of the CDL. Has there been any inklings of extra pressure or, you know, the the players being a little bit amped up for it? Because, like I said, you know, Champs is a very special time. It is not like any other tournament in the world. Um, is there been any of that that you've noticed, like, Rumbling under, you know, people being either more focused or talking about it more, or you know, a little bit anxious or excited coming up for this, for what is it, you know, a very yeah. big moment in history.
1: I wouldn't really say we've changed too much. I think we've just sort of continued from where we left off. I think we're pretty focused, like you said. I think that um I don't really think I've noticed any like nerves or anything like that or any anxiousness. I think everyone's just quite calm. I think the last event we were all pretty calm throughout the whole time, and um, when we won, and I think that's sort of. Uh, vibe that we're going with as a team and <laughs> just sort of just try <laughs> to remain a bit more calm and uh, clutching out those important moments and I think in general we've not really been thinking too much like oh about winning champs and the money and all that thing like like I've like I keep saying I think that the thing I've, we've just been stressing is if we do have efficient practice and we do improve and if we do get to the point where we are slightly better in respawn slightly better and D for next weekend we just have got to focus on our game plan and execute and we can win champs and and that's the mindset i don't want us to think about winning champs i just think about what we need to do to, to get to that that point because i think that's the only way you, you will achieve it
0: no no i agree i agree uh now to to jump ahead slightly um after your first year with the toronto ultra and i don't know too, i don't want to dive too much into what your your future with them and stuff is i just want to ask you a, a kind of a generic question about what's next um obviously we spoke about this team being a 10-man roster and we spoke about it being a very unique system but there is something uh, just on the horizon something that came up today and it start talking about free agency and roster mania and the next year of building a team Now you built a team this year with the ultra how are you feeling with the oncoming prospect, and I know it's a way away, and I'm, probably, I'm sure you haven't really given too much thought of it, but it has probably crossed your desk at the very least. It is coming up on crunch time in terms of building a team for next year, figuring out who to let go, who to re-sign. And if, if I'm being honest, there's a, you've probably already got people in mind because champs isn't going to change anything unless they start dropping absolute bombs. Um, are, you, are you nervous? Have you got a system? Have you thought anything about you know, the upcoming roster mania?
1: Uh, yeah I mean certainly we've got to obviously look forward and think about things uh I think that's the part of the job as a coach you also got uh-huh. you got to look at uh, the future as well as the present as well. I think that that's obviously went through our minds, but I think our main obje- main focus has obviously been champs um but yeah, we've definitely got sort of ideas in place for next year, and I think that in general we're all pretty happy with the sort of position we're in right now as a franchise so yeah. I think that yeah we're we're excited, yeah for, yeah, for next year
0: because obviously you've got more players to trade than anybody else, <laughs> that makes it that puts <laughs> you in another unique position again. Because and I've said this to people, right? WrestleMania isn't the same anymore because of this luxury tax, meaning that realistically, uh, you have to be very aware in the negotiations and you have to kind of keep your head on going, Look, we can sign X amount of players, we can sign this guy, I think he's worth this much. If we need to make a change during the year or we need to bring somebody in because it isn't working, and that's actually less with Toronto Ultra than most, um, we have to be aware of, of what money we can keep free and, uh, and scouting. You know, I, know, I know on the off-season itself, I've heard rumblings that amateurs are a big look at this year uh, because of how well they performed so far in the CDL. Uh, is it is it going to be one of those war room things like draft day? You'll be sitting in there with your staff, going right. We, you know, here's who we want. Here's who we can afford, uh, uh, and that going on. Have you got any of that planned down yet?
1: Uh, I mean, in general, I think our sort of like I said, focus is just on champs. We have, like I said, had you know, sort of we're definitely planning stuff out and whatnot. But I think our our initial focus is on champs, and obviously that sort of um, we all like. There's a lot of things that can happen, but uh, from from this point to when the, all the rosters start changing there's definitely going to be a lot that can change so um, definitely sort of prim- primary plans right now.
0: Monk has there ever been a, th- uh, a point in this, this year and I want to keep it to this year where you thought oh I've made a terrible mistake or something that you've learned from in terms of mistakes because I'm sure obviously you know in, in your own you know, critical self thinking you've gone oh you know, maybe I shouldn't have done that or that was a misstep
1: um. Yeah, I think last year I think I uh, started off on the wrong foot with uh, the sort of team we had. I think that I didn't really sort of instill myself as like the sort of I guess uh, most vocal leader that I could be. Um, mm-hmm. just because we had a bunch of vocal players, so I sort of took a more of a back seat, which I I think it was a, just a terrible play by me. Um, so I think in general, just yeah, that's sort of been one of the biggest. Uh, changes from this year has just been way more hands-on because i know that uh i have a high level core dodge so i just need to u- sort of use that as much as possible to be honest
0: yeah, that's fair that's fair uh my next question is about canada how's it been you know essentially going to canada i know you know you've been to america many times i can't remember how many times you've been to canada but has it been a, a big life change for you in terms of adapting to a country you may not have been as familiar with
1: um yeah to be honest it's not been it's not been too bad my fiance was uh, living with me here from january until literally monday just there so she just moved back to scotland which sucks but in general like um it's i've been enjoying it i'd say like canada kind of has the more in between i'd say if you were to to sort of combine two cultures it'd just be sort of somewhere in between the us and the uk it kind of feels feels like it's in between there um and it's a nice place, lovely weather, and, and the summer. Winter was like, I felt like I was in the night's watch until like March, and <laughs> um, walking to the facility in blizzards every day, wearing like four layers of clothing. Um, but yeah, I think in general, the wet like right now, especially like the last month and a half, two months, um, have just been great. I've just been getting like 10k steps in a day, just outside of scrims, just walking about Toronto, just sort of soaking in the. Sun and just the good vibes around here man it's a it's an awesome place that's like a really sort of um energetic baby place that sort of just makes you motivated to to grind in anything
0: <laughs> no i i get that i get that entirely you know i i've uh, i've been to canada a few times uh including skiing once and it was unbelievably good but sometimes it's like oh it's sunny but still snowy at the same time so the the weather always kind of blew my mind in 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 that regards of how it could be cold with just massive amounts of sunshine um there is something else you mentioned actually uh and this we have to i have to kind of discount the covid part right now and we will talk about that in just a second uh the oh, what did you call it the facilities of toronto yeah. ultra um how is that going for you you know how is it working in that environment and and well w- you know you were working in that environment when you had the yeah, team yeah. with you uh, and stuff but we'll we'll pretend you know that, that it's back then Um, what's it like working in that kind of more structured, you know, everybody comes here, we're not all just sitting in bedrooms and scrimming and then meeting up at an event?
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more. I think practice in general was way more productive. Um, Players, you know, have, you'd be sitting, sometimes it still happens now, admittedly, like you'll be sitting there, and then you'll be uh, talking to a player and then you'll just hear their headset ruffle and then you go, sorry, I was at the toilet. What were you saying? <laughs> you just didn't know, but you've just sat there for a minute explaining something to someone. And I think those sort of things are just obviously avoided. In um, general, it's just, yeah, like I said, way more efficient, productive in, in the facility. But like you said, we've not been in there for a while uh, since obviously COVID happened. And uh, we're. I mean, our plan is to return there as soon as possible. Uh, we've actually got a new facility, which is literally just across the road pretty much. But much bigger way more space and everyone's together instead of just the sort of the way it was before was we had sort of an office sort of all the business side of things and then across the street was like a facility for all the for like the overwatch and, and our team uh-huh. and now we're all going to be combining the same building which i think is going to be good for sort of you know um bringing everyone together within the company i think that's one of the things that like with that covid's really been a struggle with is we've not really been able to make those relationships for especially for like players maybe i've had a bit more contact with staff because obviously i have those sort of meetings and whatnot but players especially like they've not really been able to make too many connections with the staff which they might have been able to if they were you know in the same facility in the same building and i think that's important uh for uh, personally i think that would have a huge benefit on the team you know um like being friends with the people that are you know bringing doing other aspects of the team like in terms of like Building up your brand and and stuff like that, I think is is if everyone's sort of more of a a collective unit, there you're just going to see more positive results.
0: No, I I I fully agree. You know, I, I couldn't agree more that having that infrastructure is incredibly beneficial. Um, how has COVID affected you and the team and everything going on this year? Because it has been obviously an unprecedented event it has basically turned esport and the world on its head let's be perfectly clear it's not something we can brush under the rug um you know what how how have you adapted you know what was the biggest challenges with it um because it's such a significant change in terms of not being able to get a lands you know not being able to look in people's eyes and you know when you have to talk to them about hard topics and
1: and tell them and stuff so
0: from your point of view you know how what's the big things that have come out of it
1: well, for us, I think the mentality that we came in with going into it when we first knew it was going online that was that we know other people will sort of take the foot off the gas when it comes to it all being online. So we yeah. just need to put the foot on the gas. That was sort of the mentality that we had, I think, so that we were just being sort of just since around that point. That's really around the time we started rapidly improving. It started being <laughs> online. Uh, you know, F- shout out Bale Fiber. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm only joking. We've just actually generally improved as a team. Like, if our results from scrims to matches are literally pretty similar, they're like from the start of the season when we weren't doing so good online in scrims, we weren't doing good in the matches. It's, it was like it was a it was a common theme. <laughs> so I definitely think that in general it's been sort of I guess it was sort of motivating for us in a way because we knew other teams would take the foot off the gas. So it could be an opportunity yeah. for us to sort of sneak in there, which we obviously have. Um and in general, I mean, the first couple months were were difficult for me. Uh, you know, like we were I was having like online Zoom calls with my friends. Yeah. They were all locked down as well back home in Scotland. So I feel like that was it was it was weird that I was sort of in another country, but I wasn't really missing much because everyone else was just locked down anyway. Yeah. Um and then but I was getting to the stage where I was sort of just not really looking after myself health wise. I I think I was at like two twenty pounds. Um, so I think for me, I've really always struggled motivating myself going to the gym and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so the sort of mentality I had as well is I've literally used a million excuses over the years uh, about traveling and whatnot. I'm locked down for the next six months, so I'm just going to, like, not use it as an excuse anymore. So even with gyms closed, I was doing at home workouts and stuff like that, and I'm... Down like 22 pounds right now so oh that's awesome
0: man congrats yeah. i think i'm up fucking about 40. Uh- <laughs> yeah, no, i was
1: up I was up at, like three months into the lockdown and then i like i said i just like sort of was like i'm just i'm literally sitting there like every day like oh, i'll wait till gyms reopen and i'll start with the gym but like i've been using different excuses for years so i just said to myself i need to stop making excuses
0: uh, no i i completely understand that marky i i couldn't, couldn't you know empathize more with you in that scenario i mean mine's slightly different than that i've torn the left hand side of my body to ribbons uh and it's been like <laughs> about nine months uh just you know just just doing one small mistake is as essentially mean i can't walk very far um but let's let, let's move on very quickly there are a couple of questions um first one i think this one's quite interesting mark has Zinn stopped talking about the 1v2 yet
1: <laughs> um he's definitely been banging on about that a lot you know whenever we get we've actually been playing a lot of sd scribs and i've noticed an increased amount of uh clutches from zen i think he's really reeling <laughs> from the confidence of it but whenever he clutches or whenever he's in a 1v1 or anything you just know what he's going to say he's like oh i've been here before guys or something like that <laughs> and he won the round to be like you know me ice man <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good laugh like i think in general, he's been. He's been sort of memeing himself a little because obviously he was sort of getting shit on in a lot of uh, clutches historically, but now he's uh now he's feeling it. And uh he's he's looking more confident in S and D practice as well as as well as obviously the what, what he's shown in the matches. He was performing much better in Search and Destroy than he was in previous events. So I think uh, it's it's good. It's good for him.
0: It's good to see I think I tweeted out saying, you know, that was a I think it was I think he did a bat I can't remember if he bounced, but whatever he did, the movement mechanic he used I thought it was a yeah, bunny, bunny hop, hop. Was a bunny yeah. hop. I said it was so smooth, the bunny hop he hit. Um, and I was like, that is an incredible bunny hop. And because we only caught the tail end of it, I feel like enough people didn't see to hit the mechanic in that high pressure situation. Basically, just snapped him straight on. And that's, yeah. exa- you know, that's, you know, it's something that obviously pro players make look so easy but it hit it that smoothly and they hit the one V two and not panic in that scenario. Cause some players may have run like, he, you know, he was defending. He could have tried to get out of there. He could have gone big arch. He could have tried and hide in the box for time. He could have done anything in that scenario, but instead he hit the bunny hop mechanic and, and, and took it down. Um, Another question coming in, Mark, how does it feel to win a, to win a chip with that dip? <laughs>
1: oh, that's a shocking it's, it's, question, but um, no, Ryan? yeah, it, it is. It is Ryan, yes, because after the when we got to the semi-finals of the last event, yeah. I did a stinking tweet, and I tweeted out uh, time to win that chip with that dip or something like that, like <laughs> it's the day before Championship <laughs> Sunday, and then we got three would off the stage. So I've just been getting roasted for that ever since, but it was an absolutely shocking tweet for me. And I really did really make the team lose with that one. I think I'll <laughs> take full responsibility for that loss.
0: No, that's fair. That's, that, I, think that, I think that's entirely fair. Um, here's, here's another question from me, Marky, in terms of with how we've spoke about Toronto Ultra taking a unique aspect in the way that they've managed players during this year. Do you think any other franchises will look to emulate that system in some way? Do you think it's the future? Do you think it's something that has its benefits that people, other people may latch onto?
1: I definitely think the future is, you know, a, a sort of more like traditional sports uh, system where you have, you know, the starting team, the designated substitute players, and then the sort of the the challengers players playing in those challengers tournaments and whatnot. And you're sort of mm-hmm. developing the players um, with, you know, sort of a head coach system where you've got the head coaches in charge of everything. Then you've got sort of sub coaches uh, coaching the challengers side of things and whatnot, where everyone's playing the same system. You're sort of developing players the same way. Um, I think yeah, I think that's the future, to be honest. Uh something that I would definitely love to sort of, you know, be a part of 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 uh, building. So that's <laughs> something that uh yeah, hopefully we, we can get something like that going in the future.
0: <laughs> <laughs> love the sound of it. Uh this is a question, obviously I don't expect you to give me any specifics. Um and you may you may say no to it. Anything Toronto Ultra got, you know, in the uh, in the back pocket, ready for, for the biggest tournaments of the year? Any any kind of sneaky strategies, unique breaks, uh Anything off the rip that they may try and use? Uh, You know, because obviously a lot of people... It's it's been happening years past that people have kept specific strategies, angles or something in the back pocket ready to go for the biggest event of the year. Uh, Toronto got anything along those lines?
1: Uh, I would say we've not really got any um, sort of back pocket, no one knows strategies, but all I will say is that, you know, coming to this event, I think that we sort of came with the task, me and Ryan, of making sure that we completely have uh, the ability to you know, flick between different looks on Search and Destroy and making sure that we're able to basically be uncounterable in S&D and be able to come in, for example, if we're playing a specific map and play the completely opposite way that we last played it. Um, so we're, we're able to do that. And I think that that's one thing that we've been really focused on, just making sure that we're completely uh, uncounterable in S&D. And I think that's sort of where we're getting to right now. Uh, and I'm, that's what I'm sort of really...
0: Awesome! It it's good to hear that, Marky. I think you know, for me, it's it's one of those things where I always kind of you know expect to see something wild at champs. You know, somebody with a with an angle nobody's seen before. But I think people have ground grinded this game so much, we probably won't see an awful lot of champs. You know, I am hoping the GA sticks because I know it's been a big store spot in contention this year uh, for some teams and what they can and can't use. Um, but Marky, I think you know you're about to go for scrim. So have you got any final words for the people watching?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, so if there's any Toronto Ultra fans out there, I appreciate the support, and uh, hopefully we can, you know, go go ahead and get this win for you. All I'm going to say is, on the other hand, that's, that sounded very nice, <laughs> um, I'm going to say, just expect to see absolute gunnies from the Toronto Ultra again at champs, because uh, that's what you're going to get hit with. <laughs> that was the shittest trash talk ever. <laughs> cut, cut. Oh, Remove right. oh. the podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all
0: right, Mark. Thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. I do appreciate it. I know you've got scrims to get to. Uh obviously for people watching, thank you for tuning in every week. I'm gonna make try to get the production better and better each week. I know it's a little bit better. I tried some things, i fixed a mic, I've done loads of stuff. Um thank you so much. It will be coming on to podcast sites very, very shortly because they take forever for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, but thank you once again to Marky B. I appreciate it. We will definitely have you on again in the off season. This has been the Bryce cast. Thank you all for watching and we'll see you next time.